We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Wayland recapping week four of this NFL season. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a rating and or a review. Uh, that would go a long way to support the work we're doing here. Uh, if you want to buy a subscription, that's awesome too. Rotowire.com slash pod. You get a free 10-day trial if you're not currently a subscriber to the site. A lot of interesting outcomes, to put it nicely, in week four, Nick, and we'll start in London with your Jags, your Jags who were not your Jags as of the end of last week. So you're back on. You got the shirt on today. Got the shirt on. Got the shirt, the uh, slides. You got the official like Jag fan look going. Yeah, I almost I had I have two Jags hats now. Uh, I started with one, and when, when I went to that game in week one in Jacksonville, I was actually gifted a free Jaguars hat by a Packers fan who bought it out of necessity because it was so sunny that he wanted to, he needed to keep the sun off his face. So I. Basically, I couldn't decide which of them to wear to the office today, so I wore neither. Uh, but I did go with the Jag shirt, like you said. Uh, my attempt to sleep through the entire game failed. I woke up too early and caught the fourth quarter, uh, which, in typical Jags fashion, they almost blew the game um, before you know an uncharacteristic defensive stand. Uh, kind of, kind of pulled it out in the end. But uh, the Jags are back. They're in second place in the division. They're one and two. Um, excuse me, one and three. And you know, I, I was hoping for. A Titans win that would have kind of you know kept the kept the division at least you know one game away uh, as far as Houston now being up two games, but the Jags are within striking distance and you know I think they're solidly now the second best team in this division. What a horrendous slate of games really? overall! Right. Yeah. Yesterday was terrible. Like it I really mean, was pretty rough. One of the worst NFL weeks I can remember 
And well, the way that Arizona's playing right now, like they're always a team that I like to watch. They were fun to watch. They're you know last year at least were a dependable good team. Uh, I I feel like they're you know when you look at these games and you're picking games and picking which games to watch, there's only like one or two sure things per week at this point. I feel like we'd be like wrecking people's day if we talked for an hour about this slate, but maybe yeah. maybe we'll find a way to get through it. I mean, TJ Yeldon maybe. looked good yesterday. Yeah, uh, I mean, by TJ Yeldon's standards, I think this is by far his most productive day on a per carry basis and on a total yardage basis. They're really still yet to get Chris Ivory going, um, kind of a reverse of what we saw last week in terms of the workload. But you know, getting to 71 yards for TJ Yeldon is the equivalent of like 140 yards for any other back. He basically, within his ability, had a game equivalent to what Le'Veon Bell did right, exactly. against the Chiefs. Like that's as good as TJ Yeldon erupted can be. for 71 yards. Yes, he did. He he erupted. Uh, there was a palpable buzz about Yeldon oh, yeah. on There's fantasy a palpable Twitter. Buzz at that stadium, I, I love the the London atmosphere. is so bizarre. I think everyone there is just cheering for like football in general. You know, I don't, it was technically a home game for the Jags, but there were kind of equal cheers when the Jags scored or when the Colts scored. You, you look at the crowd, and there's just jerseys of like every team. I think there are more Dolphins jerseys than anything else there. Like, there's a lot of just general football fans at that game. Dolphins played there a couple years right. ago or last year, maybe because there, mul- there are multiple games in London now. That's the weirdest yeah. thing about it. It's not a one and done, once a no. year sort of thing. The Jags it's, have competition. The Jags, uh, the, the market share yeah. is uh, is up for grabs. Uh, Ellen Robinson, pretty good in this one, five for fifty five in a score. Would have liked to have seen him do more, but Didn't the fact much that in the second half of that game they were up big for a while. I think that's the yeah. problem. Is the Gus Bradley kind of called off the dogs, and and that was a mistake. It almost yeah. cost them the game. Alan Hearns well, scored. Yeah, they're lucky. I mean, the Hearns touchdown. It, it was it was long. Was it forty some yard, forty two yards? And you know, I mean, the the ball traveled about five yards, you know, total in the air, and Hearns did the rest. So yeah, not a lot of shots downfield, especially late in that game. Jags had just one completion over twenty yards, and and it was. That that Hearns play what are you doing right now with Andrew Luck I mean are you trying to get away from your shares where you have them because the offensive line for Indy looks really bad it looks pretty bad because the Jags defensive line is not that good it's improved but it's not that good well, they have six sacks yesterday? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. six and sacks. Luck was picked off once. Right. A couple of those, I think, came on that final drive where teams always, even though despite rushing three or four when they're playing prevent, like they always seem to get pressure on the quarterback at the end of a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, luck, Luck's in a tough spot. I mean, when he's been able to get protection, the numbers were good in the first two weeks. Um, but when you're getting six sacks you know, against this Jaguars defense, that's certainly reason for concern. Um, I mean, I, I think from a fantasy perspective, he's still going to be okay. Um, but you know, you look at guys who are going behind I mean, Matt Ryan, I think is far and away the number one fantasy quarterback now, uh, especially after what he was able to do. And we'll get to that. Um, but you know, there are guys, you might have Andrew Luck and Matt Ryan on your team. And you know, now you have these decisions to make that you probably didn't think you'd be, be looking at on a week to week basis. I still feel like there are some leagues out there where you'd get more in a trade. If you traded away luck than if you traded away Matt Ryan, some leagues, people are just going to chase yeah. this year's stats and Ryan is more valuable, but there are still people out there that really buy into Andrew Luck for sure. I mean, maybe it gets a little bit tougher now. Um, I want to trade him in my home league. I, I've got luck. I want to get rid of him. Oh, me too. I just I I don't like this team at all. I think they're they're poorly coached. They're poorly assembled. On top of that, which makes it hard to even evaluate Chuck Pagano in some right. ways. But the talent is just so bad. They're wasting what's supposed to be a, a once every ten years type quarterback in Andrew Lux yeah. in terms of like draft prospects and all that. And you know, outside of that long TD to Philip Dorsett, there was just nothing in terms of big plays in this game and that on was the a Indianapolis side. Blown coverage too. I mean and. You know that that happens in the NFL, but that was more on the Jags than it was. You know, great Colts offense. It was you know the safety and the and the cornerback basically both following the out man while uh, while Dorsett ran free up the middle. But yeah, I, I mean it, it's a tough situation with Luck. I mean I think we thought last year was the fluke year for this Colts team, and and the Luck injury I think was a reason for that. But I think the assumption was Luck comes back healthy, everything's fine. Like they didn't really make any other improvements anywhere else on the offense, and I think maybe we were a little bit naive, or at least I was, to think that this team you know, would just automatically be a 10-win team as long as Andrew Luck stays healthy. Shout-out to the Colts fan who was just all over me on Twitter a month ago when I suggested that Russell Wilson is better than Andrew Luck. How dare you? Looks increasingly true, though, as this season uh, gets That's underway. That's not a huge knock on Andrew Luck. He's still a good quarterback. No, Russell Wilson is just, just really, really good. It, that, that was the whole premise of my original statement, is that we we still look at Luck as the better player. We, the collective we, not mm-hmm. me being part of that, you and I. But 
dissenters. Yet you look at you look at Russell Wilson and what he's accomplished. It's just really impressive. And, and Lux had a lesser supporting cast. I'll, I'll entertain that argument all day. But at the end of the day, he's just not as good based on what we've right. seen. Well, and the thing is, Luck had the you know Luck had the clubhouse lead between the two you know to start. So I think it, it, it was lead. it was his it's his title I guess to lose. You know, if you want to say you know best young up and coming quarterback, whatever that title is. Uh, you know, Wilson had to pry it away from him, and I think what we've seen now, and probably by the end of last season, and certainly through these the first quarter of this season. Wilson looks like he's a better player. Well, the AFC South is so riveting. We're going to close the book on that as we open up this pod. Texans, 27. Titans, 20. DeMarco Murray is good again, though, Nick. 25 carries, 95 yards, two TDs, and that might be the only real good thing about the Titans' offense right now. Delaney Walker came back. He was targeted eight times, only caught two passes in this one. And the group of pass catchers in Tennessee... Not the worst in the league, but among the worst in the league. Like San Francisco, to me, is is worse. Uh, Buffalo without Sammy Watkins is probably worse. But that's going to be an overwhelming problem for Marcus Mariota more often than not, aside from the fact that he's a second-year quarterback who still has some work to do Mm -hmm. on on his own shortcomings. Like The talent around him in the passing game just isn't good. Yeah, DeMarco Murray's looked really, really good. That's been a nice surprise and, you know, maybe not a huge surprise considering what he did two years ago. And now that he's back in, you know, a normal functioning offense, uh, he looks, you know, every bit the part that he did in 2014. But, I mean, has Marcus Mariota been the most disappointing quarterback to you through four weeks? I mean, is Andrew Luck maybe in that conversation too? Mm, Most disappointing quarterback through four weeks. No, I don't think, I don't think it's quite... Uh, I don't think it's Mariota. I, I don't think the expectations were high enough for him to be the biggest disappointment. I think it had to be someone that had higher expectations. Wow. Maybe maybe in a weird way, it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the first two games from him. That, uh, that big first half. Yeah, I mean, it had one big first half against the Lions. The second half wasn't yeah. very good. Minnesota kept the Packers passing game quiet, and the Jags kept him pretty quiet. I mean, wow. he still does amazing things in terms of the plays he can make, but... Based on my expectations, I think he's fallen further away from what I thought he would do even than Mariota. No, that's fair. And obviously for Rodgers, the expectations are quite a bit higher. So when you're looking at it on that scale, uh, I could see that. I think Jameis Winston's in that conversation. Jameis, man, come on. He makes plays every now and then, you know, and maybe even more often that. Frequently he makes plays that that I really like and remind you of the talent that's there. But the consistency, if anything, is as bad or worse as, as it was last season and the schedule's been tough early on. We'll see maybe as they get more into that division schedule if he's able to straighten it out. But yeah, so far, uh, you know, the Mark, the Mariota, uh, Jameis comparisons that are I think are going to be ongoing throughout their careers. They've, they've both struggled, I guess, similarly this season. Uh, but I'm with you going back to your original point. The lack of weapons in Tennessee is tough. You know, if you have, if you have to play from behind against a good defense like Houston and you just can't rip off big plays, that's a big problem. It really is, especially a Houston defense without J.J. Watt at this point. We saw more volume for Lamar Miller, who yep. is probably going to get 20 touches every game but for the rest of the season. Stuff. If you're a Lamar Miller owner, I mean, you, has he gotten over 100 yards? I'm not sure. Either way, that he's seeming, you know, 20, 25 touches a game, that's totally fine. Very stable right now. Will Fuller had seven catches for 81 yards and a TD. Also had a punt return, a 67-yarder that uh, put the Texans on top for good. But DeAndre Hopkins was quiet. I'm just wondering, is the Titans' defense legit? Like, is it a defense that will take good players out of games? I mean, they did it with AP back in week one. They did it with Hopkins this week. And it it just seems like that's an improved unit. Like that's one thing about this team that makes them still kind of dangerous. If they play good defense and they can run it effectively with DeMarco Murray, they're going to hang around and, and be a bit more pesky than we're typically used to seeing them. Yeah. I mean, they're one in three right now, but you know, if you look at the, the defensive allowances, 25 points, 15 points, 17 points and 27 points. I mean, not, they're certainly not opening the floodgates and, the teams that they've played, I mean, the Minnesota loss, you know, doesn't look quite so bad now in week one with, you know, with how Minnesota's playing, holding that Detroit offense that has been explosive at times, uh, you know, to 15 points, I think was a solid accomplishment. And even holding to Oakland uh, to 17, this Houston offense, I think I'm, you know, I'm still a little bit skeptical of, of Brock Osweiler, but um, I mean, the defense has been good enough to keep them in games despite really having no passing game. And there were a lot of missed tackles yesterday for yeah. the Titans' defense. So the performance could have been mm-hmm. quite a bit better than than it was. So I don't know. They're one of those teams that 
I had higher expectations than a one and three start, and I'm not quite ready to abandon those just yet. Uh, they've got the Dolphins coming up in their next game, so we'll see how that goes on Sunday. Seems like a pretty even matchup based on the form the Dolphins have yeah, showed us. Yeah, you just got to wonder if they're looking ahead to that Jags game on the 27th. Probably. Everybody, everybody's always looking ahead to the Jags. Thursday night. All right, Kirk Cousins, 31, Cleveland, 20. Actually, I should say Jordan Reed with yeah. most of that production. Nine for 73 on 10 targets, two TDs. A great game from Matt Jones, perhaps the best we will ever see. 22 carries for 117 yards and a score. Jamison Crowder was quiet. Deshaun Jackson was quiet. I mean, Kirk Cousins only threw it 27 times, and with so much production going through Jordan Reed, not a surprise that the rest of the pass catchers uh, left much to be desired. But on the Cleveland side, they ran it well. Isaiah Crowell had 15 carries for 112 yards and a score. Also caught three passes for 22 yards. Duke wasn't bad as the number two back, but Duke's value is way down outside of full-point PPR leagues. And then Terrell Pryor targeted nine times again, Five catches, 46 yards, and a TD. His ascent towards, what, wide receiver two status seems to be legit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I you know, I talked to Mario Puig on Saturday on the XM show about, about Terrell Pryor, and I think I was I expressed some skepticism, and he shot that down immediately, and, and, he, and he's all in on Terrell Pryor, like you said. Probably not a wide receiver one, you know, unless he really, really continues to ascend at a pretty rapid rate, which, you know, with Cody Kessler throwing in the ball seems relatively unlikely but you know the number one receiver in what's been a surprisingly decent offense you know considering the quarterback situation considering just the general lack of talent on this Cleveland roster I mean, I mean the fact that Terrell Pryor has been able to do what he's been able to do uh is one of the early storylines of the season 46 yards you know is not quite what you would hope for him but got in the end zone early and, and got that out of the way um this Washington team this is a game they kind of had to win just, just based on uh, on where Cleveland is at right now, but I'm still not too impressed with, with their you know the, the overall look and, and feel of this offense. With the Browns, are we at the point where we look at Cody Kessler as the starting quarterback and the restrictor plate for Terrell Pryor? I mean, like I think so. I, I mean, numbers wise, he was okay. You know, twenty twenty eight of forty, two hundred twenty three yards, just one pick. I think you'll take that just about every time, but that's probably the ceiling, right? You know, I mean, he's not a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and and expect to lead a, an 80 yard game winning drive And Cleveland. I think they've, they've kind of played above their heads so far. It feels like. Yeah, that, that seems accurate. Now, as Washington goes back to back wins after a pair of losses to open the year. I mean, they're right back in the thick of things, of course, in the NFC East. And and they're one of those teams that they've certainly got talent. It's just a matter of whether or not they can put it all together. Defensively, the Browns, aren't really a big test for anybody. So I think we'll know a lot more about this team a few more weeks into the season. But you got to make your layups. you gotta got to win these easier home matchups. And they'll have a much more difficult test on the road at Baltimore. A Baltimore team that uh, lost a close one against Oakland yesterday. Probably going to be very fired up as they try to go 4-1 mm-hmm. and one in Week 5. Uh, let's talk Seahawks and Jets. Seattle winning this one 27-17. I just I thought... I thought the Jets were more dangerous than this. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, three picks, just falling apart these last two games. Uh, Russell Wilson playing well behind a bad offensive line. And Jimmy Graham, I, I thought he was done. Mario thought he was done. I think a lot of people figured a lottery ticket on Graham at best was as much as you could invest. Over 100 yards receiving in this one, led the way for the Seattle pass catchers. And it just feels like Jimmy Graham is going to be a top five tight end here on out based on what we're seeing over these last couple of weeks i just i've had written him off as being done based on health and also being a little concerned about how seattle failed to use him last year before he got hurt right for me the health thing was the issue i i, I did have some confidence that they'd be able to get him back in there and find a role i think he's just too talented for you know to be marginalized like he was for so much of 2015 but yeah then he's healthy this this has to be viewed as somewhat sustainable, right? I mean, we have enough of a sample, you know, in New Orleans at least for elite, elite production at the position. 17 targets over the last two weeks, 213 yards, uh, has gotten into the end zone just once. But when you're putting up those tiny yardage totals, uh, that, that's somewhat of an afterthought. Um, I mean, is, is he all of a sudden now the number two option in this offense behind Baldwin or, you know, kind of a 1A the last two weeks? It seems like it is more like a 1A, 1B. Uh, Tyler Lockett is a cut this week perhaps in some leagues i mean he's at least buried on the bench all or bust with him right yeah but like where is like 
where's the value going to come from with Tyler Lockett? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Um, probably nowhere. I mean, is he in kind of Tavon Austin territory now? Maybe. I mean, target volume by week, eight in the opener, four against the Rams, zero against the Niners in week three, and three against the Jets. I mean, he's, he's not even returning kicks either. Uh, a, punks, a, a total yes. of eight catches in four games. Seahawks have a week five bye. Uh, things do open Much up in their needed. schedule in week six, seven, and eight. They get the Falcons, the Cardinals, and the Saints. Two of those three matchups oh, especially are good with the Falcons and the Saints. So, I mean, maybe if Tyler Lockett gets cut with this bye week, you want to stash him away in week six, throw him out there depending on your bye situation. But he's on thin ice at this point just based on how infrequently he's being targeted. C.J. Spiller doing no. things in this game? Sure. He didn't do it. What did he do? <laughs> he he, he showed carries. up. Didn't, he, didn't they sign him like, Put the pads like 48 on? hours before the game and he's, he's just the backup running back? That's Good yeah. That, that's the state of Seattle's backfield that's right now. That's kind of how he's making his living these days. A uh, little bit of a disappointing performance from Kristen Michael. Uh, I think this was looked at as a pretty decent spot for him. Although going up against that that Jets front four is always a tough task. No, I, I think I think what he did was reasonable. I mean, he got a, a good volume of touches, the 18 carries for 58 yards. Certainly not the efficiency you're looking for, but he caught five passes for 32 yards and a score. And if C.J. Spiller was going to do anything to hurt Kristen Michael's value, it would have been chewing up those extra targets. The fact that Michael was targeted uh, second most behind Jimmy Graham, I think bodes really well for his chances of being an every down sort of back going forward. And if you're trying to look at the ceiling on Kristen Michael, do you think he's a top 10, top 12 running back if he keeps this job after Thomas Rawls' eventual return? Yeah, I think probably closer to closer to 12 because there, there have been uh, you know, several guys who I look at as being a slightly more productive week to week, but he's he's firmly in that conversation. I mean, like, like you said, it, it's, even if Rawls does come back healthy, I think it's going to be going to be tough to rip this job from Kristen Michael. And you know, there, there's probably only a handful of teams that you'd you'd view as you know tougher to go against for a running back in this situation than the Jets. Yeah, that's fair. Now, looking at the Jets, uh, Matt Forte really struggled on the ground. 14 carries, 27 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. Caught two passes for 16 yards. He's also carted off towards the x-ray room. We don't know if he had any x-rays. Jets head coach Todd Bowles uh, declined to provide an update on Forte Maybe after fake the game. Fake x-ray, non-x-ray. I, I don't really know what was going on there, but just something to keep an eye on as the uh, practice week begins heading into uh, week five. I mean, the Jets are just one of those teams. I, I, I actually had pretty high expectations for them coming into the year. Now they go on the road to Pittsburgh. They're one and three right now. They go on the road to Arizona after that. They could easily be one and five two weeks from now. Yeah, badly, badly in need of a win against Pittsburgh. Um, and they need Eric Decker healthy, too. I think having him and Brandon Marshall is what really allows that downfield passing game to work. And I think they got more out of Marshall than, than at least I expected. You know, He was banged up coming into this game, four catches, 89 yards, had a couple long receptions and got into the end zone. But when they don't have Decker on the other side, there they're just aren't enough weapons, especially with Forte leaving this game. Meanwhile, uh, guard Brian Winters uh, suffered a concussion while headbutting Michael Bennett of the Seahawks. So yeah. that's it's good. Nothing and, you can do about that. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing picks at a rate not seen in 30 years record-setting pace this, what, what a great day for the jets like, <laughs> I, i'll do some research later today I've, I've wanted to yesterday and i never got around to it like most picks in consecutive games oh the highest total in back-to-back yeah, I mean, games someone else has to have had nine and two games right that's not that crazy a four and a five or a six and a three it's pretty hard to do yeah i mean i bet Favre has probably done it peyton manning kind of sneakily throws a lot of picks early early career peyton might have had one yeah loose cannon peyton yeah maybe I don't know. I'll start by just combing through the Jaguars' uh, Blaine Gabbert tenure and, and go from there. Well, keep an eye on Bilal Powell this week on your waiver wire. It might be worth adding him in case that Forte cart ride turns into something that actually was the result of a serious injury. Bills 16, Patriots 0. How about that? I thought the Bills had their week. I thought they peaked last week against Arizona. Uh, turns out Arizona might not be all that good, and Buffalo might actually be pretty respectable on the defensive end. I stink. Uh, the Bills' offensive line is good. Patriots, I mean, with, with that third-string quarterback situation, Jacoby Brissett starting with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, being inactive. There was a point where Brissett looked like he may have been concussed, and he stayed in the game, stumbled on his next pass attempt, yeah, and was... then continued to play. We'll see if there's anything as far as... Uh, yeah, that was one of those, like, 
uh, you know, I don't. This I love watching football, but this feels a little bit iffy. Like, how are they not even checking on this guy right now? Type of moments. Yeah, they never. He finished the game, never yeah. came out, and uh, we didn't get to see Julian Edelman play quarterback for a mm. prolonged stretch. This Pat's team is not built uh, without Tom Brady. Is not built to come back from any sort of deficit. That that was what was immediately clear. Like, once they fell behind, I think it was ten zero. They they just looked like they had no answers. Yeah, with without Brady, it's a totally different team, but. We didn't necessarily think that was true based on what they were doing leading up to this game. They get Brady back, and they get Cleveland in Week 5, so it's safe to say this time next week we're we'll talking about the Patriots, a team that has gone 4-1. and one through- How bad are they beating Cleveland? This is at New England, I believe, right? They're probably going to be, what, 13.5-point favorites or 14-point favorites? Yeah, probably. I mean, you rarely see the line go higher than that. They'll cover. They'll, they should cover. They'll cover. Brady... Brady coming off of a suspension is going to be scorched earth Brady. I don't know what that means for Rob Gronkowski. I, I, two targets yesterday, one catch, 11 yards, played more snaps than he did in week three. I assume that we're going to finally see him get back to normal with Brady back out there. But Hopefully. what are you doing with Gronk right now? I know It's tough. I mean, like, if you spent a high pick on him, I mean, this is a guy going, what, probably – Mid to late first, in late some late first, early second. Yeah, it occasionally I, would fall to like the two three turn, but usually within the first fifteen to twenty picks, he was gone. I mean, are you have you already kind of as the ship sailed on him returning the overall you know week one to week seventeen value that you had hoped you'd get at that spot? Or I mean, he has to really have an insane you know whatever twelve game stretch now. In a way, yes, but in. In reality, no, and it's more because of the way fantasy football is structured, right. where you can go eight and six and make the playoffs, or seven, six and one in some leagues and make the playoffs. And if he's healthy and productive down the stretch, to where he's getting you a TD a game or having those two TD games in the fantasy playoffs, all will be forgotten. You know, all right. you have to do is get in. So if he's fine from this week forward, and you're good enough to make the playoffs, and he's just going off down the stretch, you'll quickly forget how bad these first two games have been with a lesser workload. Right. I mean if you're if you're sitting at, you know, four and oh or three and one without him and and he's vintage Gronk for the next twelve games, then I guess you're happy with that. I'm I'm looking at the Stopa League right now. It's a two tight end league where I paid up for Gronk and fortunately I've got Matt Ryan and Julio going in that league so this week I, I think I'm gonna be okay regardless of what happens. At least tonight. you didn't start Jonathan Stewart in any of your leagues. Why did, why did you do I that? I did not intentionally in stake, too. I think I'm still going to win, thank God. What? I, and, I had, and I had Matt Jones on my bench. Like I swear to God, I put Matt Jones in my lineup, and when I checked it yesterday, I was like, oh, no. Well, oh, you, no. Jonathan you get, you get, was in there. You get email confirmations. I know. So do you have an email confirmation saying that you put Matt Jones in? No, the email says I put Stewart in. But like I specifically remember, like I mean, Stewart didn't start for me last week. Like I must have physically put him in there somehow just zoning out, thinking I was putting Matt Jones in. So... You know, the the fantasy gods, I guess, have, have spared me this week, but can't let that happen again. I lost to a guy who didn't start a third receiver in one of my leagues where I have Gronk, so things are going great. Uh, Deshaun McCoy played really well in this game. He looks good, too. Uh, 108 really yards good. from scrimmage. He's drawing Barry, Barry Sanders comps from the uh, announcing crew. Get out of... Come on. Like, <laughs> what a load of crap. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, it's not like they were saying this is the next Barry Sanders, but it was <clears throat> it was more of his commenting on his cutting ability. That's still is, he might be the not best fair in the league right now, but still, right? Barry Sanders is, Barry was like his own tier mm-hmm. in terms of his really ability to, to juke I'll, players. I'll have to rely on you. Not, I mean, it's not even not even close. And that's not a slight at Shady McCoy. That's just Barry Sanders mm-hmm. being unlike anything I've ever seen at the running back position before. Uh, anything else from this game that stands out to you? I mean, no, Bennett I mean, played pretty well, five for one hundred and nine, but really nothing else yeah, was productive. Yeah, a lot of those came on one play. Um, Edelman had a long TD called back early in the game on a penalty. It would have been a ninety-four bad. yarder, I think. Is it first place from scrimmage. Second yeah, it, scrimmage. Is it, yeah. it there a weird like almost kneel down at the one yard line yeah. fake kick return like yeah, special teams about. blunder and. Edelman almost had like an entire game's worth of production mm-hmm. in one play, but it was called back by a penalty. Yeah, I mean the penalty was pretty egregious. I think there were two penalties on the same play. Yeah, yeah, there I were two. There were was, two. Someone was out there blocking on the edge. And I think they got a hold and uh, and a clip or something on the on the same block. Like it was, it was a very one of those tough plays to to make. Yeah, it was just one of those uh, that 
if you had that momentary excitement as a Julian Edelman owner, mm. it quickly dissipated as you saw the flag. I think Edelman knew it too because he he ran all the way to the end zone, obviously because the play hadn't been blown dead. But like everyone else ran down there and wanted to celebrate, and he like physically pushed Legarrette Blunt off him, and like he's like, "No, this is coming back." <laughs> or Blunt had his back to where the flags were. Right, Edelman had turned around and saw them and knew yeah. that like, oh, this is going to be against us. Those exactly, are in the, yeah. in the backfield. Falcons 48, Panthers 33, Julio going for 300, Matt Ryan going for 503. Okay, no big deal. Sure. Yeah, this is this is fine. Julio was due, I guess, for a game like this. Matt Ryan, maybe not so much, but I'm hearing a lot of Matt Ryan is back. Matt Ryan is a top three quarterback. Matt Ryan is, you know, maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. That was that was said, I believe, by the great Donovan McNabb on the radio last night. Um hmm. You know, I don't know if he's the best quarterback in the NFL, but he looks considerably better than we've, you know, probably seen from him in the last what two or three years. I guess. I mean, isn't this what the Falcons do every year? Though they play well through yeah. the first seven or eight games, and then it just all falls apart. That's what happened last year. I mean, this was a five and one team, I believe, six and one maybe at some point in the year, and they they finished eight and eight. Interesting to note, by the way, per Google, I was going to a Matt Ryan page, and his spouse is listed as Sarah Marshall. Like, I don't know if that's from forgetting Sarah Marshall, if he married the character from the movie or, or what. Right. But, well, the the actress who plays the character is married to Dax Shepard, right? Against Kristen all Bell. odds, yes. Kristen Bell is married to Dax Shepard. Yeah, I always kind of wondered about that one. Um, but yeah, he could be. Make, I guess make he could people be. laugh, Nick. That's the, that's the answer. So you're saying he might be married to her, like only her character from forgetting Sarah Marshall? Right. So, like, what is she in that movie? Like a TV, like like a CSI type of person? Yeah, she plays uh, like a, 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 the show. I think it's called Crime Scene. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I've seen that movie way too many times. But yeah, that's that's one of the few movies I have actually seen. It, it's one of those dumb one. movies that when it pops up on TV, right. I sit there and usually watch it back through the end, even though mm. there's no Anytime reason. Anytime you to. can watch a movie that centers around a vampire opera, you gotta do it. Yeah. No, the vampire opera is legit. Uh, nothing else really happened on the Atlanta side in the passing game. It was just all Julio. The other 203 yards were split just everywhere. Taylor Gabriel, Aldrick Robinson, sure. Austin Hooper. Uh, Robinson and Hooper both people. scored. Jacob Tammy scored. But no other receiver, no other pass catcher had more than 50 yards no. for the Falcons in this one. Devonta Freeman had 13 carries, 57 yards and a score. Tevin Coleman, 8 for 19, only 2.4 yards per carry. The Falcons get Denver in Denver next week, which leaves you in a spot. If you have Matt Ryan, you might have another decent quarterback you could mix and match. You might be sitting him coming off a 500-yard game. Yeah, I think you have to look at it. And you know, as we always say, it is situational. If you have someone else, you know, virtually anyone else, though, this week, I mean, even as well as Matt Ryan is playing, this Denver defense has pretty much shown that it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, when when a quarterback goes up against that D, the ceiling it doesn't it doesn't mean you know Matt Ryan's going to go in there and throw five picks and you know throw for 150 yards. But I think you just look at it as a good game against the Denver defense. You know, maybe he gets to 275 with two touchdowns. Like the ceiling is just lowered so much more when you go up against Denver. Yeah, it, it really is. And the running game is something I'm worried about too. We saw what the Broncos did to Tampa Bay on the ground. Charles mm-hmm. Sims was brutally inefficient. Even if Tevin Coleman doesn't play, he's got the sickle cell trait, so he's concerned about playing on the road in Denver oh, that's right. at altitude. He, he may not play in this one. Devonta Freeman may end up just getting more carries, but it may be a very inefficient day. Not enough to where you can sit Freeman. He's no. getting 18 or 20 carries potentially. But, yeah, temper the expectations for the Falcons offense coming off of a massive performance. Cam Newton left this game with a concussion. He is now going through the protocol. 6.6 yards per attempt before he left. Five carries for 30 yards. Cameron Artis Payne didn't do anything. Six carries, 12 yards. Uh, nothing on the ground whatsoever for Carolina with those backs. Fozzie Whitaker led the way as the pass catcher, though, of the running backs. Nine for 86 on nine targets. So Just as we expected. PPR gold, I guess. Kelvin Benjamin, three for 39 and a score on seven targets after he disappeared in week seven. Derek Anderson may be in a position where he has to start a game for the Panthers, depending on how Cam does uh, coming through the protocol this week. Yeah, two touchdowns in the second half after coming in for Cam. Looked, looked okay until coming out uh you know the score kind of belies how close this was at the end um you know Carolina down eight with I want to say around two minutes left maybe a little bit less Anderson comes in and immediately throws a pick six to to put the game out of reach so 
a disheartening end to what was otherwise a, a pretty solid showing by a guy who has a lot of experience. I mean, they're not throwing in you know, some random backup quarterback who no one's seen before. We know Derek Anderson can at least be a decent game manager uh, at the worst. So, you know, Carolina, though, if, if Cam Newton is out for a week or, or anything longer than that, the panic button, I think, or the panic level, I should say, grows. I and mean, this team's one in three. I, I, if anything, I think we thought the reverse right now. You know, you can see Carolina losing at Denver. They didn't look horrible. It was somewhat of a, a redux of the Super Bowl where Denver's D was just so overwhelming. But it, to me, it was inconceivable that Carolina is one in three and, and kind of losing in the fashion they are where they're, they're getting beat in all facets of the game. I mean, 48 points. Miss, missing Josh Norman a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I mean, Atlanta now has, what, I think, 91 points over the last two weeks. So maybe this is just a really good offense. But Carolina it looks not the part of the, the complete team that they were last season. Yeah, it is among the early season surprises as we move through the first quarter of this NFL season. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WIX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Raiders 28, Ravens 27. Uh, Really nice finish in this one. Oakland getting three TDs from Michael Crabtree, 12 targets, 7 for 88. He's basically doing what I thought Amari Cooper might do this season, and even that I wasn't as sure of as everybody else. I don't have shares of either one of these guys. I thought Crabtree was just an inefficient volume player a year ago where everything went right. Clearly, he's got a good rapport with Derek Carr, and there is a lot of talent there with a guy that was once upon a time an early first-round pick, and injuries have slowed him. Clearly, a strained relationship with Colin Kaepernick was a problem. That wasn't a pass-happy Niners offense during his time there anyway, but he's probably the player I've been the most wrong about going back to draft season. Yeah, I think a lot of people are in that same boat. I mean, I think the luster, I guess, had kind of worn off of the top 10 pick, like you said, one one of the better college receivers of all time, and and definitely in recent memory, um, the injuries too. I think for me, it was he just didn't he didn't look. He's not like a physically impressive receiver necessarily when you watch him, uh, especially compared to these guys that you see going in you know the top ten of drafts now. It's you know it feels like you got to be at least six three. You got to have this you know freakish speed, freakish leaping ability. Like when you watch Crabtree play, he's not burning by guys, he's not leaping over everybody. But then you check the box score and he has seven catches for eighty eight yards, gets in the end zone three times and. As maybe the biggest Michael Crabtree fan when he was in college, I'm I'm very very glad that that he's finally turning into this. And and some of the credit has to go to Derek Carr too, who had probably his best game of the season. Yeah, Carr played pretty well in terms of uh, piling up the four TDs. He wasn't very efficient, five point seven yards yeah. per attempt, but overall not making big mistakes is right. is the key in this one. Uh, no turnovers for Derek Carr. Latavius Murray's workload is a problem. He was not good in this game. Eight carries, 19 yards, two catches for five yards. We saw DeAndre Washington carry five times. I I don't have Latavius Murray anywhere, but if I did, I'd I'd be very nervous about what's happening there. Uh, Terrence West, on a day where Justin Forsett was a surprise inactive on Sunday morning, comes out with 21 carries for 113 yards and a score, 5.4 yards per attempt, looking like he's pretty clearly the starter right now. And perhaps uh, keeping a guy like Kenneth Dixon away from the starting job once Dixon returns from his knee injury. Yeah, I think after a game like this, it, it does buy you some time at least. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it, with the with the injuries in that backfield, but certainly one of the more surprising performances on the week. Steve Smith just continuing to do vintage Steve Smith stuff week in week out, whether he's fighting Jags rookies or putting up 111 yards with with long touchdowns. Um, I mean, it, it really is insane how old he is and, and coming off of the injury that he never seems to miss a beat whenever he's on the field. Yeah, no, it, it's it's one of the big surprises for me of this season. I thought it was just over. Are the Ravens good, by the way? They're 3-1. and one. They, beat the, they beat the Bills at home by six. 
the Browns by five, the Jags by two, and they lose to the Raiders by one. No, the Ravens are like a seven or eight win team when it's all said and done this year. I mean, to me, they're still clearly a step behind Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, even if the record doesn't show that right now. You're right. I, I think it would take some unforeseen events for the Ravens to come out ahead of the Bengals the or the Steelers. Is, the schedule's not bad, and, and to be fair, you know, the Bengals and the Steelers play a similar schedule, obviously, but you know, they're, they're home against Washington next week. That's winnable. They're at the Giants. We'll see how the Giants look tonight. Uh, I think the jury's still very much out on them. I, I think I would take the Giants at home in that one, but then they're at the Jets. They go into the bye, and then then the division games kind of start to pile up. And you know, you get the Browns again. You get you get a shaky Cowboys team. You get a shaky Dolphins team. Um, you know, I mean, there's a chance for this to happen. We'll see. I think the problem they're going to run to is the end of the season. They've yeah. got at New England, home against Philly, at Pittsburgh, at right. Cincinnati for their last four. I mean that those those last two especially. I think you know the the Steelers game on Christmas, and then you know the Bengals game. Th- those two. You'd think, you know, whoever kind of, what you know, in that round-robin type of setup, you know, whoever comes out maybe 2-0 and in that span uh, probably takes the division. Bears 17, Lions 14, Brian Hoyer 28-36, 3-0-2, two TDs, one of those to Eddie Royal who finished with seven catches and 111 yards. He can do everything. Zach Miller scored again his third TD in two weeks, and Kevin White was being heavily targeted before he left with an ankle injury. He is set for an MRI today. Jordan Howard looks really good as their lead back. 23 carries for 111 yards. uh, Three catches for 21 yards as well. At this point, I don't know if Jeremy Lankford's even guaranteed to get the job back, but three to five more weeks before Lankford is ready to return. In that span, Jordan Howard might be a top 10 running back. Yeah, I mean, if he's performing like this, certainly. And then he did it. What's encouraging to me is he did this without, you know, I think who's Isaiah Kroll a couple weeks ago had a, you know, 100 plus yards, but 85 of them came on, I think, one run at the beginning of the game. Like, Jordan Howard didn't have a 20 yard rush in this game. It was just consistent yardage. And, uh, and I think this is kind of what the Bears need to do right now. And especially with Jay Cutler out, is you don't want to make Brian Hoyer win you a game. And, I don't know if Jordan Howard, you know, that's certainly not a strategy. They can't just hand it off to him like, like Adrian Peterson. But, you know, I think the Bears just want to avoid turnovers. They want to win games like this, you know, low scoring, 17 to 14. They know they're not going to be able to compete if that defense is allowing, you know, 25 plus points. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good assessment. Now, you look at this Lions team. Dwayne Washington got hurt early, suffered, I believe, an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Only two carries for six yards before he left. Theoretic didn't run it well. In his absence, we might see a lot more Zach Zenner going forward, which is kind of interesting. Kind for of scary if you're a Lions fan. No real reason. Golden Tate had one catch for one yard on four targets, and I think he's a cut. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask, and I don't. I mean, is that too drastic at this point? I mean, there's a difference between like Tyler Lockett being a cut and Golden Tate being a cut because you had to spend more to get Golden Tate. Only like a round or two earlier in terms of ADP. I I mean, it's people, not that much of a difference. Going, yeah. Tyler Lockett's ADP shot up a lot at the end of draft season. Yeah, Yeah, that's true, I guess. I mean, but Marvin Jones is the clear one based on the way he's being utilized. Anquan Bolden is a factor. He had eight targets yesterday, caught six passes for 31 yards. Eric Ebron's been healthy and getting more looks. Riddick's going to catch some passes out of the backfield. There's just not that much to go around for Tate, which I I thought he'd be a priority. I thought Bolden would be in more of a complimentary role. I think you got to try to trade Tate first, and that's pretty obvious. Obviously, you don't, you know, if you can get any kind of value for him, you do that because he's still, he's still a name. You know, there's still probably someone in your league who who thinks that Golden Tate can resurrect the season, and maybe he will. um, but these last couple weeks especially have been very discouraging. And like you said, it, you know, I was kind of looking at that Marvin Jones game against Detroit as a little bit of a fluke. Um, you know, got so much of that yardage on the one long completion where he probably should have been tackled if the Green Bay cornerback just makes what was a pretty routine play. Um, but now that we have a little bit more of a sample of Marvin Jones looking like the number one receiver in this offense, that makes it a little bit more scary for Golden Tate. Seems legit at this point. Broncos 27, Bucks 7. I, I'm speechless. Sure. I mean, Jameis was picked off twice, sacked five times, had a rushing TD early, and then nothing else went right no. for the Bucks' offense this game. I mean, the Denver defense is like this good, right? I mean, they're as they haven't missed a beat at all. This is crazy. I mean, I, I think the offense, you know, has, has been better than I expected. I, I, Simeon ended up leaving this game, and Paxton Lynch came in, um, but. And this defense is so, so good, and they haven't really been challenged, it seems like, since week one. 
No, they really have not. Uh, Demarius Thomas, 6 for 94 in a score. Emmanuel Sanders, 8 for 88 in a score. Paxton Lynch had to play a lot in this game because Trevor Simeon suffered a shoulder injury. Uh, Simeon was 5 of 7 for 68 yards in a TD before he left. Lynch, 14 to 24 for 170 and a score. He was sacked once. C.J. Anderson scored uh, 19 carries for 49 yards. Good job by the Tampa Bay run defense slowing him down. But the fact that he got into the end zone kind of salvaged what would have been an otherwise disappointing sort of day. I mean, Mike Evans got 11 targets, 5 for 59 in a tough matchup. Vincent Jackson still looks like a cut. Charles Sims was bad. He fumbled, lost a fumble, 15 carries for 28 yards. But I don't think you can look at this and say, well, he can't be a starting running back in the NFL. Denver's defense does this to a lot of teams. There's that and the fact that Tampa doesn't really have another great option. So, you know, I think they're, they're willing to kind of throw this game out, I guess, for Charles Sims. Um, We talked about Matt Matt Ryan going up against this Denver team next week. Maybe you sit him. um, Kind of a similar situation at the receiver spot. Mike Evans was kind of a borderline sit this week. And, you know, chances are you don't have the depth that receiver, especially if you're in, you know, a three-receiver league or or a flex where you're starting a receiver, to have the luxury of of sitting a player like Mike Evans. But this is a kind of ceiling, you know, even for an elite guy like Evans. You know, five catches. The target volume was there, but the Denver D is so good that he's limited under 60 yards. Julio Jones had 300 yards this week. Is he in that same boat, or is he untouchable even against this great Denver D? No, he still play Julio. I mean, if Atlanta squeezes out 14, 17 points, he's going to be a big part of the reason why. Yeah. So I think he's enough of a focal point of that offense. And right. you, you do it probably because you don't have enough confidence in your fallback options yeah. anyway. I mean, that's a big part of it. But I, I think you have to play your studs. I, I had Mike Evans in lineups this week, and – the only scenarios in which I was suggesting to sit him were ones where it was like an auction where somebody had four fantastic receivers, right. and it was like, well, who do I play between Kelvin Benjamin and Mike Evans? Yeah, like, well, well, the chances that the fourth best receiver on your roster, you know, that that you like more than Mike Evans, even against this defense, isn't great. So, yeah, I, I think for the most part, yeah, and Julio, to be fair, is probably on another tier even ahead of Mike Evans. For sure, yeah, he's one one tier ahead. I think at this point, I look at Evans as a clear like second tier sort of receiver behind. Brown, Julio, and Odell Beckham. Uh, Trevor Simeon, by the way, might be able to play this like week. A pretty rough hit, yeah. Big hit, but it's his non-throwing shoulder that got hurt, so he yeah. thinks he'll be able to play. We'll see. Was he carted off? He was carted off. I believe he was. Not great. Uh, Capri Bibbs. Oh, you getting the, getting the Bibbs in there? Yeah, he had – I'm, I'm just verifying that it was a career high. He had 14 yards on three carries, uh, and, yeah, that's going to be a career high. Why did they give him three carries? Career afternoon for, career, for Capri Bibbs. Rams 17, Cards 13. My whole world's upside down. Who's more disappointing to you so far, Carolina or Arizona? Probably Arizona. I think so, too. I think Carolina, at least, has been beat up a little bit. They're still trying to figure things out without Josh Norman. Um, although the, the the re-addition, I guess, of Calvin Benjamin and how that hasn't helped that offense is puzzling. Uh, but, yeah, Arizona just looks – this is two weeks in a row where that offense looks horrendous. Horrendous against teams that you feel like they should be able to yes. move the ball against. Not because, I mean, the Bills have a legitimately decent defense and the Rams aren't bad defensively either. But like Arizona previously was at a level where they could just move the ball against anybody. And we'll see what happens with Carson Palmer. He's in the concussion protocol as well. They got a quick turnaround. They play Thursday against San Francisco. It's probably going to be a start for Drew Stanton, barring something very unforeseen with Palmer's recovery, because I believe the Cardinals have a week six bye. So to bring Palmer back with three days off before the game yeah. probably doesn't make any sense when they have a long layoff coming after Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know that they want to rush him back necessarily. And I'm obviously, being with the concussion being the issue, you, you never want to do that. But it's not like he's been lighting the world on fire either. The problem is that Drew Stanton was terrible, looked way out of his element uh, after coming into this game in the second half. Four of 11, 37 yards, two interceptions. Um, you know, we've seen other situations where, where some backups have had to step up this week or this, this season already. Um, and you kind of look at them as, as maybe DFS options, not Drew Stanton, even, even in a talented offense, no, no chance. Um, and that's what worries me is, you know, can they, the offense has already been limited with what we thought was a good quarterback in, in Carson Palmer who, who struggled, um, you know, they've given us little reason to believe thus far. And now you take away. Carson Palmer from this offense, and you, you downgrade even more at quarterback. Uh, this is a team that could be a one and four going into that bye. Definitely a possibility, but I, I still wonder if Arizona, without 
Carson Palmer can actually beat San Francisco because San Francisco to me just isn't oh, very no, good. Mean, San Francisco demolished this Rams team. Yeah, bad. like everybody. That was, that was so week down. one, though. We, we, right. th- we, we thought the Rams were the worst team ever, and they've won. They look like one of the worst teams. They've ever. won three in a row since then. Like that. I mean, with, with Todd Gurley running for thirty-three yards, they beat Arizona in Arizona. Brian Quick scored twice. There's that. I, I guess that's how they did it. He's I, back. Uh, Case Keenum, eight point nine yards per attempt against Arizona's defense. Is this, is this real it's life? Puzzling. I don't know the the on the on field. You know what you see there and the box score. What it's just gross all around. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're as a Green Bay fan, being you, is this like good news? Yeah, it's good news yeah, that Carolina like, and Arizona don't look good. Yeah, right. Like the two teams that I thought were probably the biggest challengers to Green Bay look look terrible through four weeks. Looks like a great setup right now in the NFC. David Johnson, 124 yards from scrimmage, did lose a fumble, but continues to justify his place as an yeah. early first-round pick. Had a touchdown called back on a hold. Uh, that would have been nice for fantasy owners. But, yeah, I mean, the, the combination of the usage on the ground and through the air is still enough that he's returned his value. John Brown, 10 catches for 144 yards on 16 targets. John Brown had as many targets as Fitz and Floyd combined more, two more, actually, which is just... This just continues to be a rotation, it seems like, between those three guys as to who's the man week to week. I, I can never figure it out who's going to go off, but I thought this might be a week where Floyd wouldn't do much because he was coming back from a concussion. thought that would be mm-hmm. a sign that his role would be diminished, but seven targets, pretty good indication that he was feeling okay in this one. Let's talk Saints, Chargers, John Kuhn. Yeah, that's, all, that's all that really needs to be talked about. Three TDs for John Kuhn, seven for 120 and a score for Dontrell Inman. Melvin Gordon got in the end zone twice on a day where he averaged less than two yards per carry. What on earth is happening? <laughs> I mean, this was exactly the game that we kind of expected to play out with these two teams, right? I, mean, I think um, San Diego is firmly in control for most of this game. They fumble deep in their own territory uh, late in the fourth quarter and, and allow New Orleans to to get the comeback win here. But, yeah, I don't – I mean, New Orleans is bad. San Diego might also be bad. We're, I'm still really not sure what what the deal is with that Chargers team. I mean, given the, the depletion on offense, um, they probably should be 1-3, but they've played well enough to be arguably 4-0. Yeah, they, they're a strange team. But Every year they're like this, at least the last three or four years. Uh, but, I mean, Kuhn's a story. I wonder if I should trade Travis Benjamin. What are you doing with Brandon Cooks right now? Three for 31, six targets? Uh, I, don't, I think I only have him in one league, and it's a league where I'm really not deep at receiver, and I kind of have to start him week to week. But I've been, I've been putting Travis Benjamin in most of my lineups each week as well, and that's, that's been pretty hit or miss. I think he, it's safe to say he benefited from playing against the Jags a couple weeks ago. One catch for 23 yards for Willie Sneed. Yeah, got to wonder if that was it a toe. I think he was dealing. Yeah, this, maybe, maybe that was still a limiting game. factor. Fleener I mean, didn't do much either in this game. It just came from the Saints. I mean, you look at you know they score thirty five points, and you probably expect Breeze to be up close to four hundred yards, and that really wasn't the case. I mean, twenty three completions, but you know what is that? Fewer than four yards per completion. Five point eight yards per attempt. Two TDs, two picks, two sacks. Really not a great performance. Mark Ingram could have had a huge day if some of those TDs had gone. From Kuhn to Ingram, he still scored once on the ground, total of 105 yards from scrimmage on 24 touches. Six of those were catches, but Inman being better than Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin just puts me on tilt because right. I thought Travis Benjamin was going to go off. It's tough against the Saints. They're always good for like two big blown coverages throughout the game. So, I mean, you look at 57-yard touchdown for Inman. It's just like who's the one who's going to be the beneficiary of the Saints defense kind of losing its mind for a player or two? Yeah, that's... Almost it's random point, yeah. at this point. Cowboys 24, Niners 17. Ezekiel Elliott had 23 carries for 138 yards and a score. Dak Prescott finished 23 of 32 for 245, two TDs for Dak, one to Terrence Williams, one to Bryce Butler. And it looks like Butler's the player who's really taken on an extra role in the absence of Des Bryant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Beasley, the yardage leader in this one, but, uh, but Terrence Williams caught a big touchdown. Butler, like you said, also got in. Uh, I guess a name you kind of have to keep an eye on it as long as Des Bryant is out and we'll see you know if they go as far as to rule him out for for multiple weeks that's going to be a situation uh that you're obviously going to want to monitor but this was the best that Ezekiel Elliott's looked this season I think you know week three was, was somewhat of a breakout game for him but I think he looked even better in week four finally got into the end zone uh Alfred Morris had vultured a few from him through the first couple weeks but 
Uh, we still haven't seen him break off, you know, one long, long dynamic run, but I mean, it's very clear watching him and the division that he has, you know, if they're running him off tackle when, he, when, he's, when he's making his cuts, uh, it's very clear why he was selected as, as high as he was in the draft. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see that in short order if we haven't seen enough already. I, I think he's shown enough in terms of I mean, his per carry efficiency. Yeah, he looks really good. He's a top three back, right? I mean, without much question right now. Yeah, you'd take him over Gurley the rest of the season with so, ease, yeah. right? I mean, huge advantage offensive line-wise. And that was not the case for many people just four weeks ago. Carlos Hyde looks good, too, by the way. Yeah. I mentioned in the XM show, he's the player that if I'm looking for a running back right now, I'm trading for him because I don't really see anybody else in that backfield pushing him for carries other than Blaine Gabbert, who ran 12 times yesterday. Uh, 4.9 yards per carry from Hyde. He had a TD in this one. He also scored twice last week. Had five yards of carry against Seattle. Just seems like Carlos Hyde is the focal point right now of this San Francisco offense. Yeah, he is. I think you know Blaine Gabbert being able to run the ball is more of a weapon, I think, than than we ever imagined it would be. I didn't even know he could really run the ball, but they 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 have him in that read option set that Chip Cully likes so much every now and then, and and it worked to pick up a couple first downs. Uh, in the first half of this game but right I mean they're running through Carlos Hyde he's their best offensive player by a pretty wide margin Um, Jeremy Curley had another nice game I think you know weeks two and three were a little bit down after that big week one but when he's the guy that you're looking to in your receiving core I think it makes it even more obvious uh, that Carlos Hyde is your is your top weapon Steelers 43 Chiefs 14 thanks to a very late Travis Kelsey TD hope he didn't lose because of it, hope you actually won because of it. If anything, we saw Jamal Charles return, played a very limited role. Heavy rains throughout this game limited the Chiefs' interest in putting him on the field. Spencer Ware, 13 carries, 82 yards, 6.3 yards per carry. Also caught a pass for 14 yards. Uh, Charles had two touches for seven yards, so we'll see a lot more of him after the Chiefs' week five bye. Uh, Spencer Ware also lost a fumble in this one. Jeremy Macklin, even with a lot of garbage time, 5 for 78 on 8 targets. We saw Conley, Wilson, Tyreek Hill all involved to various degrees, but nothing in terms of overwhelming outcomes. Le'Veon Bell looked good in his return, 18 carries for 144 yards, caught 5 passes for 34 yards. He looked okay. Narrowly missed a TD. D'Angelo Williams had a short touchdown late in this one. Uh, Big Ben was 22 of 27 for 300. How about 11.1 yards per attempt, 5 TDs. An outstanding bounce-back performance for the Steelers' offense after they were humiliated in Philadelphia in Week 3. Yeah, I mean, Roethlisberger looked incredible. I think at one point he was something like 18 of 20 or 18 of 21 passing, and then these are not just, you know, dink-and-dunk throws. You know, this is vintage Ben, you know, throwing deep balls down the sideline to, to Antonio Brown, who had two touchdowns in this one. Darius hayward Bay somehow find himself wide open. I think that was the first touchdown of the game. Full disclosure, I did stop watching for most of the game, it was 7-0 Pittsburgh when I turned it off to watch Westworld on HBO. What? Westworld. What is that? It's a, it's a new HBO show. We're not being paid by HBO to promote this, but... No, we're no, never, okay. I assure you we're not getting paid by HBO. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, complete opposite of that. But no, it's, it's, a good, it's like a sci-fi type of show, and there's a lot of ads for it. I haven't it's heard of it. good, if you're wondering. The, the premiere episode was, was incredible. It's going to be awesome. I'm not paying for HBO right now. I'm just not interested. Okay. I don't have enough time. Like, I, I, the, their shows are all like big shows that people get really into. And yeah, for good reason. I can't make that kind of commitment. So are you, are you not like a true detective? Uh, I don't know what that is. You, don't, you never heard of true detective? I've heard of it, but I don't know the premise. It's and supposed to be how you feel trying to talk movies with me. It's the exact same feeling. <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones. I mean, I know the premise of the show. Never watched it. Right, me, I'm not a big Game of Thrones guy. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll cut the discussion of Westworld there then. But good I, show. I don't care about that period in history either. Well, it's not really, it's not really like that. No, I know, but I, I just like that. That time period is not of interest to me okay. in terms of like, watching a show about what happened back then. Like sure. I just don't care. Like it, right? I mean, yeah, I don't want to get too into it. But I, I don't want to watch what, a show about today. Like, yeah, what time? Thirty years from now. You? Like, what location or time period or civilization period do you want to see a show about? Uh, you know, I like Revolutionary War era stuff. I like um, post World War II things. You know, kind of up until. Late 60s, early 70s, you know, the wonder years, as uh, you might refer to them. Sure. Have you seen Fargo? Season two of Fargo kind of has that feel. Fargo, I think I would like, but I have Fargo not seen it. very good. No. Um, but anyway, the whole point of what I was trying to say is I turned the game off when it was 7-0 to watch Westworld. That ended, and it was 29-0. to 
Yeah, it got, it got ugly uh, yeah. very quickly. Very, very quickly. Sammy Coates uh, actually is the one thing that people maybe aren't looking that closely at. He had a team high eight targets, six catches, 79 yards. His role quietly growing. Yes. And he's to me, he's so much more talented than Hayward Bay and Wheaton. If he's available in your league, make the move now because I think we're going to see him continue to take on a more prominent role as this season continues to unfold. Yeah, I think he he's, might be ripping that that wide receiver two job away from Marcus Wheaton. And you know, Wheaton did have a nice touchdown in this in this game, but it was his only catch. You know, the eight targets for Coates uh, are probably a little bit more symbolic than than Wheaton getting into the end zone. Um, so yeah, I mean, as someone who invested in Wheaton in, in quite a few places, kind of hoping that he would pick up steam as he's coming back. That has not been the case so far. One quick news item to pass along before we sign off. Doug Martin has that hamstring injury. It seems he's more likely to return after the Bucks' week six bye than ahead of their Monday game against the Panthers in week five. I think that makes a lot of sense yeah. because you get the extra time off, you come back, and it's a lot less likely that you have a setback if you're dealing with a hamstring strain as Doug Martin has been for these last few games. And, of course, if you've been hiding under a rock for the past year, Tom Brady comes back from his four-game suspension this week against Cleveland. Tom Brady. Some guy named Tom Brady is back. Um, Vikings-Giants tonight in Minnesota. Second primetime game in three weeks now for the Vikings. Vikings by 20. Vikings by 20. No. (laughs) That was a fake pick? That was a fake pick. pick. All right. Um, I think the Vikings win. I think the Vikings win, but they win by less than four and a half. I think they win by about two. I don't love this offense. That, that's the thing. It's, you know, if, if they can hold the Giants under 17 points, I feel really good about Minnesota. I, I just don't, can the Minnesota offense get to 24, 28, 31 points if they need to? I want to know how much of the success they had last week keeping Kelvin Benjamin just like non-existent. How much of that was the defensive scheme, and how much of that was Carolina just failing as an offense? Because I'm not quite sure on it's that. Diff- it wasn't all defense. Right. You know? And I, they, they only faced the Titans in Week 1. Jordy in his second game back off an ACL tear is their top receiver they faced Week 2. It's a good defense. I'm not trying to knock the Minnesota defense, but are they a defense to be feared, or can Odell Beckham come out and just do Odell Beckham things to that well, secondary? To answer that question, what does Odell Beckham have to be limited to for us to say, okay, this Minnesota defense is actually really, really good, and they can shut down these these undisputed number one guys? I mean, if, if Beckham has fewer than six catches? I was going to say, like, six for 70 and no TD is, is containing Odell Beckham. Yeah, I think so. Which is hilarious because that's like game, a, yeah. that's well over like a 1,000-yard pace in a season, right. but that that's that's good. That's good work if you're able to do it. Julio Jones, by the way, I looked this up last night, has – the, he is the current clubhouse leader in NFL history in yardage per game by like over eight yards per game. And obviously he, that, he is that, pretty awesome, right? And obviously that'll go down, you know, as his career, you know, as he moves into the twilight years of his career in eight years or whatever it is. But like, yeah, I think Jerry Rice finished his career with you know, averaging around seventy-eight, seventy-nine yards per game, and Julio's up in I want to say the high eighties. I feel like Julio is going to follow the Megatron pattern, where we're going to see him for about four more years after this one, and then yeah. he's going to retire. Because I mean, yesterday he was dealing with that calf injury; he was in and out of the he's game a little bit too. Every single week, it seems. Right, he's banged up all the time, and there's going to be a point for him, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two years old, where he could still play. And I feel like he might just walk away because, well, at a certain point, $40, $50, 60000000 million is enough money, and you do want to be able to walk when you're after age 40. I mean, like, there's... Yeah. I think, I just think not necessarily that incentive to play until you're, you know... I mean, not that many receivers are Andre Johnson or, or T.O. or Jerry Rice where they're playing until they're 38, 39, 40 years old. Right. I, I just think that's the... That Kelvin Johnson career arc is a lot like what I expect to see now from Julio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 18th all-time among active receivers uh, in receiving yards. He passed up A.J. Green, actually, with that 300-yard performance. So, uh, when, you, when you have, like, three games in one, you can yeah. move up lists pretty fast. I'm looking at this list here, and Dwayne Bowe has has more career receiving yards than Roddy White. Or, Gross. excuse me, than Julio Jones. Well. How? Longevity, I, mean, I guess, yeah. sort of. I mean, still, that's, I, that's, not, that's not even... Like, I mean, he's played, like, That's, a, that's an insult seasons, to longevity. That's just... I. That's crazy to me. Dwayne Bowe's rapid decline is yeah. actually one of the most surprising things I think I've ever seen. Right. I mean, I, was he ever truly like an elite, elite receiver? No, no, no. He, he was just he was just a good player in a system that made him yeah. a volume machine for a few years. He was a great receiver for one year. 
almost 1200 yards 15 touchdowns in 2010 you know matt almost matched that that yardage total to you know exactly the the following season despite being hurt a little bit and then after that it was a shocking decline Dwayne Bow and I are the same age and I feel like he's accomplished a lot more than me no don't say that um how exactly have I like achieved <laughs> more employed. than him Dwayne, Dwayne Bow I don't think is currently employed I think he made a little more yeah, money he, well, he yeah, than I did some of it might be out of necessity during our respective times of employment yeah, I don't know I don't know what they're paying you here not Dwayne Bow money. It's not in the millions. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not Dwayne Bow money. Give me that Dwayne Bow money. Yeah, I, that's the next time I have a meeting about salary. That's what I'm going to say. I yeah. want the Dwayne Bow money. Yeah, you can bring money. up Dwayne Bow. It's like, look at, hey, look at Dwayne Bow. He's not even in the league right now, and look what he's being. We're, we're both six two, both thirty two years old. That's about it. That, that's where the compares our names. First names both start with a D. Yeah, I'm trying to. It's very similar. You know, I don't. I doubt he coaches a high school soccer team. He could. You Maybe. never know. Anything's possible. How's that going, by the way? Any any juicy updates from the weekend? Any cool soccer things happening? No. Okay. No. Playoffs are coming soon, though. I think we're going to be playing well come playoff time. That's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Eric are back with you with a waiver episode on Tuesday. knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.